0: Hey Holons, welcome back to episode 6 of Brilliant Perth. This week I'm chatting with the incredible Claire Sarah Johnson about optimal wellbeing and peak performance. I did one of Claire's uh, flow science workshops a few weeks back now and I've just recently started working with her as a flow coach and it's really lighting up my world so I'm really excited to sit down and chat with Claire at Mellow House in the Perth CBD. Enjoy the chat. Alrighty. Happy Monday. Um what a way to start the week. Um first thing Monday morning I'm here at Mellow House with Claire Sarah Johnson. Claire, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Dylan.
0: Uh, um I'm really excited to have a chat with you this morning around um you your business, Feed the Holy, and the emerging science of flow.
1: Excellent. Yes. My passion. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, do you want to get us started maybe by just telling us a bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So um, where do I start? I My professional career began in marketing and communications, and in particular, I was interested in creating brands that people fall in love with. So really looking at uh, the human side of marketing and comms. And um, I created a, a process or a technique that was designed to humanize a brand and really bring its heart and soul to life um, because at the end of the day, brands are needing to connect with humans. So why shouldn't they be somewhat human in in in, their, in themselves? So that was my... Um, my career and my direction and I um, ran a business, my own business for about six years called Tinderbox Creative. And that was really fun but over time I started to get frustrated around um, how much impact I was actually able to make um, working as a consultant or outside of an organization and decided therefore to take a step inside one of, um, an orga- inside an organization, so one of my clients and um, commit two years to them to actually bring um, the brand strategy that I'd created and designed to life. And through doing that, what happened was um, I realized that the impact that that the brand strategy was making was far more uh, potent um, on the inside than it it was from a a marketing, external kind of marketing perspective. So Mm -hmm. it started to have some real impact on leadership and the way people were connecting and the internal culture. And my focus, I guess, shifted from um, how brands um, can be powerful externally from a marketing perspective and and more into how they um, can create change within an organisation. So my, my focus shifted, I guess, to leadership and one thing led to another and suddenly I was doing a doctorate in business leadership and looking at, and I was, the organisation was working with at the time was going through a lot of change and that change was having quite a negative impact on the mental health of the people and also on productivity and performance. And I wanted to uh, understand and see how perhaps there could be some sort of positive connection between change and performance and what that might be. And I went down this sort of rabbit hole, I guess, of of research um, which landed me one day in this place where suddenly I was uh, reading a lot about flow and flow states. And so, flow being the it's a peak mental state where you feel your best and perform your best. And um, there was some really interesting connections between what triggered flow and um, what I was the kind of um, conditions that this organisation w- was facing, which is in business known as Fuku conditions, so volatile. Uh, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environments and um, in in the situation I was in and the organisation I was in that was as I was saying having a, a fairly negative impact and it was people were not coping well with that kind of environment whereas um, a lot of the triggers for flow are actually things like complexity or uncertainty, um, risk taking and I, I uh, thought well it would be very interesting if I could reframe FUCA in a way that was actually a trigger for not only peak performance but also ultimate well-being and that's how I've ended up here.
0: Wicked. Um, maybe before we dive more into flow could we talk a bit about hedonic engineering? Yes. Yeah. What What's that all about?
1: So hedonic engineering is a it underpins the training that I do with people and really what it is about is scheduling out activities throughout the year from daily to weekly to monthly to annually um, annual activities that are designed to do two things one um, and we'll get to it in a minute I guess um, it's based around something known as the flow cycle so You're not in or out of a flow state. It's not a a switch that you flick. It's an actual cycle that you have to move through. And the better we get at moving through that cycle, the more likely we are to access more frequent and more intense flow states. So the cycle involves a struggle. That's the first phase and it's um, non-negotiable. The struggle has, has to happen for the flow to show up. Then there's the release phase, and then there's the actual flow phase, and then there's the recovery. And it's the recovery and the struggle that are the hardest parts of the cycle to navigate. And the hedonic calendaring or hedonic engineering is all about designing, curating, and forming a life um, where the hard, the activities that help you get through those two phases are essentially automated and become ingrained habits that that just exist, Um, and that's the hard bit, it's hard to form habits, and it's hard to also understand what habits you need to form. Um, It's a very, it's a wildly personal journey, and whilst there are generic universal flow triggers, um, they need to be interpreted personally, so you need to go and do some work yourself to understand what that actually looks like for you. Um, so once you've done that and that's a, a bit of a trial and error kind of a, a process but once you've got those activities um, down pat or you understand what they look like for you then you can start calendaring them and um, living your life according to this this hedonic calendar which is essentially designed to get you more flow
0: so um I actually met Claire a few weeks ago at um what I believe was one of your first sort of mainstream yes. flow offerings to yes. Perth. yeah. And it was in kind of a, a sort of intro to flow science, but I think you called it um, optimal well-being and yes. performance. Yes, But for me, that was off the chart. So that was a whole day workshop um, here at Mellow on a Saturday with 15 other wonderful humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kind of lit up my world, and I guess, um, and I'm actually just about to start working with Claire as a flow coach, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. Yes. Um, so let's maybe move more into that world of how can sort of flow science unlock this human potential in terms of mm-hmm. self-development, in terms of as collective as groups, as organizations. Yeah. like
1: It's really interesting. Um, the thing that makes me so excited about unlock- unlocking flow states is that it's two-pronged in its um, impact. So it has the effect of optimal well-being and also the effect of peak performance and it's not one in lieu of the other or one shows up and then the other it's 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 all encompassing so um, when we access flow states they have this wonderful ability to reset our nervous system so it's like giving your nervous system a hard reboot Um, and when we're in the flow state we get access to Uh, richer more salient information meaning that we are able to and if if that's anchored to the work that we're doing then we just um we just do our work better so and that work can be anything from um you know being a knowledge worker and and day-to-day creating on that level it could be you, you may be an artist or a musician or it could be um skiing down a mountain um you can you can anchor flow states to all these different activities and when you're in that flow state, you are essentially feeling your best and performing your best. So when it comes to unlocking human potential, I mean, one issue um, and maybe one of the greatest issues that we're facing as a collective humanity is mental health and um, either severe mental health issues or it may just be low level depression, anxiety, micro PTSD. Um, that we have just come to accept as the new 21st century normal and in that in that mindset in that space we're just not we're not performing at our best our our potential is not being reached and so I'm really passionate about using flow and accessing flow states to not only level up back to what I call baseline but then to get there and then look at what what we could do as thriving humans so you know, we, we don't really, you know, some people are very good at that in this world and um, and you see them really, you know, actually killing it. But uh, generally, we are all operating a little bit below baseline and this is a really um, robust and anti-fragile approach to levelling up because all you need um, to access it is a brain and a body, basically. And um, the work that I'm about to start with you, Dylan, and the work, you know, in my workshops when I'm teaching essentially is how to just understand um, that your brain and body are connected and that um, how you you use your brain and body will impact on how you feel and think and act. And the more we can understand about how our brains work in particular, um, the the easier it becomes to access different states of consciousness um, in service of feeling better and performing better. And ultimately, if we're anchoring that to um, solving some of the wicked problems of the world, then I think we're going to be heading in a great direction.
0: Yeah, wicked. That gets me really excited. Um, let's talk maybe a bit about where, like, how long has flow science been around for? Where's it emerged from? I think, like, I was really interested in your workshop about some of the anecdotal evidence from, like, performance athletes like from a red bull cliff diver or yeah from a gold medalist skier or that sort yeah. of
1: yeah yeah well flow flow the state of flow has been around um from the beginning of time so we are hardwired as humans to seek out a flow state and um it's it's what they call flow states are autotelic which is a an, a nice word for addictive and um and as humans um we've been using flow to um survive in in many instances initially and um also just to seek great pleasure um in terms of where the science has come from so it was has been studied prolifically for many decades and largely from through a, the lens of psychology um mihali Mahali was is it's is the famous um psychologist who has forged most of this research forward and he um, he's he's done this uh, global study um, I think it's still the largest global study to this day uh, looking at flow states and um, asking people to describe basically when they feel their best and over time what was emerging was people were describing something that was universal and, um, described often as a really lovely flowy feeling where everything just came together and, um, and things happened really easily and I could, uh, achieve things I could not normally achieve. And, um, over time he was able to articulate a range of, um, triggers that would lead to that flow state emerging. And, uh, For a long time, they were described or thought of as mystical states. So it was Abraham Maslow, I think, that um, actually did another really interesting study where he was studying atheists and realizing that actually um, you didn't have to be religious to be accessing these states. And that was sort of a a nice discovery. And um, but then I think in the 80s around, uh, you know, it isn't until recently that neuroscience or the developments in neuroscience have um, enabled the flow research to move forward a little further because I think in the 80s it got the word flow got a little bit mixed up in the new age kind of movement and academia got a little um, wary of of funding um, further studies in, in that area so it kind of went quiet for a decade or so but In the last 10 years, and it's the Flow Genome Project in particular, who are based in the US, who have been really moving the dial forward, um, have been looking at it through the lens of neuroscience. And what that means is that um, we understand what's happening in the brain when we're in a flow state, uh, which essentially means you can kind of reverse engineer that state and um, get to a point where you can potentially, well, essentially you can train yourself to get more flow.
0: We could, um. so if someone say someone's listening to this podcast and they're really interested in flow science mm-hmm. other than sort of coming to see you and coming to one of your workshops what's like an easy way to start mm-hmm. in terms of understanding and experiencing flow is it is it maybe through the flow Genome project i know they've got their flow profile
1: yes so i mean there's lots of ways to start i think a really good way is just to reflect on where you may have experienced flow in your life and it might be something that you're lucky enough to experience daily um and, and that's been the case for you always or it might actually be a distant memory and it might be something that more you showed up more in your childhood or your teens um and i think that's that's interesting to to be reflective in that sense and then um if you are someone who experiences a lot of flow, it's interesting to look at. Okay, well, what is it that leads to that state? And I think most of us will be familiar with that cycle I spoke of, the the flow flow cycle, um, because and and I think most of us are most familiar with the struggle phase. So that that phase where um, it's uncomfortable, it's uh, frustrating at times, and sometimes it's really hard to actually get past that phase and release into the flow state. So. I would just say, look at your life, look at where and how show, flow shows up, and then look at what happens for it to uh, for you for you to release into a flow state. Um, the Flow Genome Project have a fantastic um, online quiz that you can do that takes five minutes and it gives you a sense of we all access flow in different ways according to our personality types, and that will give you a sense of where and how you might personally be finding a flow state. Um, but there's also um, there's also, as I was saying, some. there's about 23 universal flow triggers and um, it's it's pretty easy to look at building some of those triggers into your day-to-day life. So, um, for example, novelty is one of the key flow triggers, meaning um, novel or rich environments. So um, that could be anything from how you... Um, how your house is set up to what your workplace looks like, what your desk looks like, even the route you take to work. Um, I find being here at Mellow House, a a wonderfully rich environment with all these, you know, we're sitting in the library at the moment and there's all these amazing books and art and that kind of thing. That's what I mean by a novel rich environment, but equally that could be in big nature. So um, hiking or heading out to the ocean or, you know, that kind of thing, operates is a really amazing flow trigger. Um there's things like the the other thing is the challenge skills ratio. So and this is one of the easiest ones to apply and look at. Um, and what that is is there's a there's a really fine line um when accessing flow between being too challenged, so out of outside too much too far out of outside of your comfort zone so that you kind of go into a flat freeze. Um, or too under challenged therefore you're a little bit bored so there's this real beautiful sweet spot for flow which is just the right um just the right relationship between challenge and um um, not being too bored and meaning that your your attention is focused and you are able to um stay focused on a task for long, long enough to drop into a flow state so that's another thing you can look at where in your life are you um, challenged enough or over challenged, and what can you do to um, dial things up or dial things back to uh, get more flow We
0: can. I love the um, since doing a workshop, I've been um, pretty conscious of the route to work. Yeah, I ride my bike around the places, so yeah. sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm just gonna take just the long take way the around way. the river. Yeah, today, um, yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, let's maybe dive more into leadership i'm really mm. fascinated because there's some interesting stuff happening globally mm-hmm. but could you think of like any examples of or could we talk a bit about global leadership and maybe some of the world's best leaders that are tapping into flow states mm. um, so i think one that comes to mind for me is like the the incredible sort of heart-based leadership that jacinda and Dan mm-hmm. showed recently yes in, in after the Christchurch crisis yeah
1: absolutely um, absolutely she was amazing she is amazing um i think what i have to say about that is what what this is about is not really about getting more flow in your life it's not really about the flow um which may seem like a strange thing to say but more what it's about is living as this full spectrum human and and stepping into our humanness and and understanding our humanness and um, allowing that to um, heal us, essentially, and then um, allowing us to step up and level up and do better and be better. Um, And I think that's where Leadership of the Future is heading. It's not a technical skill, uh, it's a human skill now that is required and that requires bravery and courage as, as she showed the world recently and um, what a flow state can do over time if you are living what I would call a high flow lifestyle is that you're in this cycle where you are able to shift into a space where you are using or accessing different modes of consciousness that allow you to draw on richer and uh, more salient information but also heal yourself at the same time. So it's um, there's a catharsis that comes from um, accessing regular flow states. And I think that's where a lot of the potential lies for integrating or underpinning uh, leadership or organisations with this um, ability to grow full-spectrum humans. Um, And the flow state or the altered state of consciousness or the... um, the non-ordinary state of consciousness, these are all the same way of describing something such as a flow state. It's important not only for what happens in the moment of flow, but it's important also for applying it to um, adult development. So the point of accessing, in my mind, accessing flow states is to um, anchor them to moving up our our levels of consciousness so flow is a state of consciousness that can be used to level up our uh, level of consciousness as an adult um and i think that's where organizations are heading i mean the the big global brands get this and are already um applying this to to leadership as we speak and it'll be a trickle down effect i guess over time but um it's an inside out job, I think. I think the more people who understand how to use their brains and bodies to affect their hearts and minds, the more this can kind of just be deployed from the inside out. It doesn't have to impact on anything. It can fit with any kind of leadership hierarchy. It can um, fit with any kind of business model. Uh, All it's about is just stepping into our, our humanness and um, the beautiful impact is that we will feel better and will perform better. So we're just sort of solving this mental health issue at the same time as um, ensuring that we are unlocking our potential from a performance perspective.
0: Wicked. Um, I've just sort of was thinking back to the workshop, and another one of the flow triggers was something really simple as a breathing technique. Mm-hmm. Yep. Could we maybe talk a bit about that what's a what are some Yes. how, did, how does that work you know? yeah
1: um well i think um the respiration is something that we have to do right yeah. we have to breathe if we don't breathe we are dead and um i think that uh so why not get really good at breathing and understanding what our breath or the impact um our breath has on our nervous system and rather than it being a flow trigger what it is often is um, being understanding respiration and and breath helps you either down regulate or up regulate your nervous system according to task at hand so sometimes we need to chill out and there's all sorts of very easy easy breathing techniques that we can use to do that sometimes we need to fire things up and really switch ourselves on and there's um also different techniques we can use to do that so um and and there's there's two ways of, of using respiration one is what i call sort of offline training and that's where you are um actually training yourself to um to respond better when um when when things get real so um for example i do box breathing was a technique that we used in the workshop that i like to teach um because it's just so simple and it's something you can do in the shower do it in bed you can do it driving a car you can do it sitting in a meeting before you need to speak you can do it um at at any point it's highly accessible and um uh it's it's useful to to train in it so that when you are in a stressful situation your body more naturally goes to a place of down regulation than if you hadn't been training in it so it's sort of um Uh, the respiration side of things is part of the flow training um part of understanding that there's work that we need to do to be able to then when when life hits us or life happens we just have this sort of suite of tools that we can draw upon and our body is able to naturally go to those places without having to think too hard so um that's a you know that's hours of conversation around respiration and, and all sorts of different things that you can do but essentially it's training yourself to either up regulate or down regulate your nervous system according to the task at hand so that you can deal with that task or that challenge with ease and grace
0: yeah we could um maybe if we could steer the dialogue now more into technology because mm-hmm. i'm really fascinated like through my own journey about Um, our relationship with it as humans Mm -hmm. one of the things I really loved and probably the best experience I've had with virtual reality is in that workshop where we trialed that um, virtual reality mindfulness yes and I'll just explain that to the listeners so I I pretty much put on a headset and had some lovely music but I was sort of standing in a mountain valley and I just sort of there for two minutes and I I noticed straight away you know I just sort of got out of my head and I was just sort of in in awe and in this experience and Mm -hmm. it was really lovely Um, let's sort of unpack that a bit but what let's talk about sort of the future of yeah humanity and our relationship with technology. Have we got it right? Does it need to change? Like where's it going to go? Mm.
1: Um, yeah. So or is an amazing flow trigger and that's what that VR experience does. It's, um, it's just immediately takes, takes you out of your head, as you said. And that's a beautiful, um, example of technology helping us as humans to level up our consciousness. I think, um, the relationship between technology and humanity it's a, its a tricky conversation and I think a lot of people would have the opinion that technology is not helping us um, and it ha- is having a negative impact when you think about people's relationship with social media and things like that. But I'm of a, a very different opinion and I really believe that done right and with the right um, stewardship, um, technology um, is going to help humanity evolve. In, in a really positive, beautiful direction and one that we can barely even imagine yet, I wouldn't think. And um, there's there's some work out there. I mean, we were just speaking about Ariel Garten and the, the Muse headband and another guy, Mikey Siegel, who's doing some amazing work in, in Silicon, Silicon Valley, looking at um, how technology can help us connect more deeply as humans and... Um, that's that's where technology is heading at the moment. It's things like, I mean, even RL was talking about using um, technology to conquer our greatest fears, for example. And you know, <laughs> imagine that, right? And um, and and I think we're at that phase where you know, humans are now thinking about this kind of stuff. We're thinking about fear. We're thinking about connection. We understand that these are very real human. Um, emotions and feelings that we need to actually probably harness for the greater good rather than run from or harden to to. so I don't know exactly where this stuff is going when it comes to flow states there's a lot of different technology you can use to both perhaps potentially trigger a flow state but also measure um, different there's different metrics you can measure when you're in the flow state Um, and that's really interesting and um or things like um, understanding your sleep patterns, and obviously sleep is a very important factor and something that if you're not getting enough of, you're also not going to get enough or as much flow. Plus, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to reap the benefits of a flow state because we do all of our learning when we're asleep. So if you're not sleeping, then you're not integrating all the wonderful, rich information and learning that you may have um, accessed in that flow state. So there's all sorts of tech that can be, um, if you get deep into flow training and um, accessing flow states, you can use. I prefer to go down sort of the more uh, the, the route where I'm not reliant on that kind of thing to tell me when or what to do things, and I'm really trying to actually train my body to naturally understand um, what it needs and when it needs it and when it hasn't got what what it needs. Um, but that's a that's a personal thing. I think um, there's a lot to be learned from. Um, technology. And, and personally, I've got my eye on where these, these um, inventors are taking things into the future from a um, levelling up our humanness perspective. And um, I just find that fascinating. Mm.
0: So your, your own business, Feed the Holy, is, is a global endeavour.
1: Yes. How?
0: <laughs> You've worked internationally. Yeah. Maybe you could talk a bit about that recent experience Yes with the blockchain conference. Yes. That was
1: Yes, that was interesting. Well. well, I've um I've got a lot of net contacts around the world through um living in London 10 years ago and attending Goldsmiths College, which was um which is a really awesome um art and design school in New Cross in London. And I did a bachelor, I did a masters in um arts management there, and that was wonderful in terms of what I learned, but the, the most wonderful part of that was the amazing international network of good friends that I na- now have around the world. So, um, this, that, that makes it easy for me to um, sort of, I guess, tour these workshops and um, drop into cities where um, I've got good friends who are very interested in this kind of work and, and keen to get it inside their organisations. So later this year, I'll be doing a tour of Europe um, and running these workshops in Amsterdam, Lisbon, uh, London and um, Copenhagen, which is going to be really fantastic. Um, and yes, recently also, I, was, I worked for a blockchain organisation um, in events management side of things and was um, given the privilege of um, sort of having a peek into that world which is super interesting. And um, a world that I think could really benefit from um, uh, using this this flow, science, flow technology to um, make sure they're not burning out. So, you know, it's emerging technology. There's, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, the competitiveness of the ICO world is there and real. And I think um, what I saw was humans pushing themselves that limit without knowledge as to how to recover and that's the beautiful thing about the flow cycle and understanding that is that if you if you are practicing the hedonic calendaring then you are practicing recovery and that's what will lead to continual leveling up as opposed to the uh, inevitable burnout that so many of us uh, experience at some point so um, I'm keen to stay close to the world of blockchain and emerging technologies and make sure the humans are looking after themselves.
0: <laughs> That's wicked. Yeah. it's well put. Yeah. What about when, when will um, Perth get its net, next hit of flow from you? Like huh? uh, how often do you do your yes, sort of uh, public workshops? Well, I'm, I'm
1: planning to do them monthly. Yeah. So there's one on the 13th of April in a couple of weeks. And, um that is a full day workshop so you get quite um I go it's quite broad but also quite deep and quite experiential um and you get a real insight into what this is all about um the cool thing about that workshop is there's there's a number of other amazing humans in the room and that's got some real um spark and and magic to it um I'll also be running more masterclass style um versions of that which will go for a couple of hours for those who can't put aside a whole day which I know is sometimes tricky so um, it'll be very similar information but less interaction interaction with others and more just sort of listening and learning style of things but um, these workshops are designed to be really accessible so they're not too expensive and they're for anyone and everyone it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're human then you're very welcome and you'll get a lot out of it.
0: Yeah we could. Do you have any plans to sort of take your work to younger people to kids yeah how how would that what would that look like well
1: I'm very interested in that in particular into schools um you know kids are really good at accessing flow to a to a certain age you know play is is a flow state so um at some point sadly and I think through the way we are educated we lose that sense of play and life gets a little bit more serious and the flow states are not as they don't happen as naturally um so i think i think it would be great for kids to grow up understanding um all of their minds and and that they have access to different states of consciousness to um to get done in their day what they need to get done and i think um the, the, the more the younger we start understanding how again just coming back to how our brains and bodies affect our hearts and minds then the you know the better we're going to be off and um it could again it helps in so many different ways it helps with the the mental health side of things if kids can be growing up with optimal well-being exponential well-being as opposed to dealing with uh, mental health issues so young then that would be amazing, obviously. But then also from the performance side of things, you know, I hope that in thirty years' time we look back on humans today and we just cannot recognise them, because we've been able to apply this technology as such um, in a way that we have levelled up so profoundly that we just we just don't recognise ourselves anymore.
0: Yeah, well, that's that, that gets me pretty excited. Um we might sort of start to wrap it up. I've really enjoyed this dialogue and sitting down with you Claire. Um on the sort of theme of the podcast around brilliance mm. and I, to me you're really one of the the brilliant people in Perth. Um you're an incredible sort of host and facilitator and I got so much out of your workshop and I'm really looking forward to working with you one on one. Thank you. What's your take on um making Perth the world's first brilliant city?
1: Well, I think it will be the world's first brilliant city. Um, I don't know why I think that. It's just you mentioned that to me this morning and I got goosebumps because there is something about Perth that's very exciting and there's this this emergence going on and um, probably for the first time in a long time, the smart, passionate people are hanging around and they're connecting up with each other. Um, And that's what we need um, for things to happen. We need communitas. Um, and connectedness and I I've just got the sense that that's that's happening here right now and I think for it to be brilliant and of course I'm going to say this but uh, a brilliant city is one where we uh, have unlocked these full spectrum humans we are we have stepped into our our full sense of human we are able to access a range of states of consciousness to um meet the task at hand whatever life throws at us and life will throw hard things at us all the time and we need to know how to deal with that with grace and with ease um and we need to know how to recover from that and how to heal our traumas on a daily basis and we also need to learn how to experience awe and joy and the feeling of peace that comes from that and if we are in a cycle of of that um collectively then we are going to level up as a human race and um that's i think what will help create a brilliant city
0: i love it um we'll share out your website and your upcoming workshops and stuff um thank you with the listeners fantastic it's really exciting and and there'll be some that want to jump on board and get on the flow do it the flow bandwagon do it thank you so much for your time
1: thank you so much for having me cheers
0: Thanks for tuning in, Holons. Next week on Brilliant Perth, we're talking about measuring the well-being of the planet with Georgina Camp. I hope you can join us.